news is one of the most insightful businesswomen that I know. Sarah is absolutely amazing. Sarah's wisdom, enthusiasm, and positive outlook on life motivates me to be a better person. Her ability to see the very best in people is just awesome. Sarah's coaching and mentoring inspired me to become an entrepreneur. What an inspiration. Welcome to the Destined for Greatness podcast, where we believe that each person is destined for greatness. I am your host, Sarah Noose, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, who happens to be my husband, Adam. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good, good. Good. Hey, today's podcast is overwhelming, amazing, and heartbreaking all at the same time. It is. And you know, Melissa is one of those that I have not had a chance to meet. One of the Mm -hmm. few on this podcast that I haven't had a chance to meet, but we're going to be in Tulsa in 10 days. And luckily she lives right across the street from your parents, Harry and Sally. So we'll have an opportunity to walk over and and I'm excited to get to know her a little more, especially after hearing this story. Yeah, so cool. So she and I went to grade school together and high school together and then she happened to move right across the street from my parents. And I remember when I was telling my mom about the podcast that I was gonna be interviewing people, she said, hands down, you've got to interview Melissa Bryce um, Gamble, who is just an amazing woman and then I felt like I knew her story, but then when she was on the podcast, I only knew a little bit and pieces of it and was blown away. So she is the founder um, of an organization, the Global Foundation for Proximal Disorder. And um, the mission is to fund and promote um, research to assist families and professionals through education programs and support services related to the Zellweger spectrum disorder, which her daughter Jenny was um, born with. Um, and just the story is amazing. She and I were both pregnant at the same time. Lucy's birthday, um, was August 21st and Jenny was born on August 5th. And so they were very close. So I remember calling my mom and, you know, saying Lucy is gearing for a doctor's appointment or something. And she said, Jenny just got back from one kind of knowing, you know, your cross street neighbor, what they were up to. And so we were kind of tracking the same when Jenny was born, they didn't realize that she had this disorder and it wasn't, um, till a little bit later that they found out. Um, but what she's done is amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So she found out this is a terminal, um, disorder that Jenny had. And so when she said the time that she found out what Jenny had to the time they could actually see their doctor that was a specialist in this was two weeks. And she said those were the darkest two weeks of her life because she didn't, she didn't have answers. She couldn't do enough research to find what she needed. She couldn't be connected with enough people. And so that's really why this came about is out of a serious need and to help other people. Yeah, I can only imagine, you know, it, hearing that story kind of brings me back to when Lola was born and we got told that she was uh, had hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary word. We didn't know oh, what yeah. that meant. And, uh, and there is a lot of people with hypothyroidism. Yeah. And there's a lot of information, a lot of research, a lot of uh, cures a lot of uh, everything that's mm-hmm. out there and it turns out all it takes is just a pill every day and, mm-hmm. and you just control it what a small thing hypothyroidism especially compared to this but oh, yeah. i remember how dark those couple moments were when <sighs> we didn't know what it was and we didn't know what it meant and 
thankfully there's information out there so what she's doing is so valuable for whoever comes along for that rare disease again that that, that information's there now and yeah um, what a blessing that is what a blessing and what just the research that she's done the team of people that she's put into place um Jenny would have been turning 10 on this past August 5th. And um, I think what's so cool about this foundation is that she's continuing to honor Jenny in her life by helping other people that have children that were born with this disorder. Um, And so she just goes in and talks about just the unique need and how she, um, I believe there's you know, went from she didn't know anybody to connected to somebody. Now there's people all across the world that she's able to reach through her foundation. And that was her dream. You know, it wasn't her dream before she had Jenny because she said she had no idea what this was. But um, through this experience with Jenny, she's like, I don't want anybody to suffer the way I have not knowing answers, not knowing how to find help. And so her big dream when I was talking to her was to um, help people avoid the pain and suffering that she went through trying to get answers. Yeah, and I, I have the opportunity to serve on the ALS board, mm-hmm. which uh, is Lou Gehrig's disease, and it's uh, not quite the same type of disease, but mm-hmm. I get to see on a, on a monthly basis when I go to those meetings how important it is uh, for families to just receive that support, receive uh, resources, have that research that's out there um and it's just so important what that foundation does and to think it wasn't that long ago that people didn't understand what als is right an awful disease and you get to Uh. um it doesn't usually hit young children like that but but watching older people that used to function so well just uh, deteriorate so quickly with their mind being Mm. right and it's a it's an awful thing to get to watch but uh, thank goodness there's research out there and there's yeah. a fight for a cure and there's a lot of uh, mission behind mm-hmm. and purpose behind what they're doing mm-hmm. and, and it takes somebody to take action and yeah and step out there and try to find that research and yeah and get the word out and she did and i think about that thinking because of her so many other families will be better off and then you know she talks too in the podcast about the adoption process that she went through that was a roller coaster for her as well. And just so many points that I just saw, wow, God was really working in her life when you feel like the struggle is so big and so real and that you can't move forward, that God steps in and brought her comfort and peace in the most horrific circumstances you could ever imagine. So let's tune in to Melissa Gamble and um, just listen in on how amazing this woman is. Melissa, we are so excited that you're here today to share with us your story. Um, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Okay, so so Melissa and I go way back to grade school, high school, and yep. um, now you are living across the street from my awesome parents, which I they am. love. <laughs> they are great neighbors, too. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. They are awesome. Well, Melissa, your story just touches so deep. Um, 
your daughter Jenny was born and diagnosed with um, a disorder that you have now gone on and funded and started this whole amazing nonprofit organization. So I'd like to dive in and have you share a little bit about your family, who you are, and kind of what you're up to. Yeah. Well, 10 years ago, I had never heard of a paroxysmal disorder. I didn't even know what a paroxysm was. Um, I had to dig real deep back into my high school biology class <laughs> to remember, gosh, what is a paroxysm? What is an organelle in a cell? So uh, Jenny was born in August of 2008 with a paroxysmal biogenesis disorder in the Zelliger spectrum. And it's a long name for a really complicated disease. Uh, she, when she was born, she had some issues as a newborn, but we kind of felt like things would even out, that she would maybe get, get over some of the humps that she was having. So she had, you know, low muscle tone. She had difficulty feeding uh, as a newborn. And the biggest thing that tipped us off that something really might might be going on is that she uh, we we learned she had hearing loss, uh, and so we that kind of started us down our diagnostic odyssey mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what was going on. So we spent nearly two years testing, going to every doctor we could find in Tulsa, in Oklahoma City, in Dallas. Uh, and, and then finally, uh, in 2010, we learned that Jenny had a paroxysmal disorder. And so... So that was two years later. Two years later, yeah. She wow. was almost two years old. And so during that time, you know, I, I just kind of felt like, well, I'm a first-time mom, you know, she's my first child, maybe maybe I'm doing something wrong, or maybe we can just keep, you know, her in speech therapy and physical therapy and occupational therapy, and we'll fix all these issues. Yeah. But when we finally got the diagnosis, it was in many ways a relief mm -hmm. because I, I realized at that point, you know, I, I couldn't... I couldn't therapize her out of these issues, right. Right. you know. So um, that was that was a, a huge relief as a mom to know it's not something I'm doing. You know, there are deeper problems here, right? Uh, and so we, you know, there was relief in finding out that she had a diagnosis, but then um, also some devastation because. Yeah. I'd never heard of a paroxysmal disorder. I had to call a friend from high school uh, and say, who was in med school at the time, and say, please come over and, and yeah. tell me about this. Yes. Our, our geneticist that diagnosed Jenny, you know, had only ever heard of this disorder in a textbook. And wow. He, yeah. He said they maybe spent five minutes on this disease in his entire med school training. Was it because it's so uncommon? Right. So okay. paroxysmal disorders are, are rare. Okay. So, uh, however, um, rare diseases on the whole are common. So rare right. diseases actually impact 30 million Americans, which is more than cancer and AIDS combined. So that's wow. 
one in 10 people, you, you likely know other people with a rare disease, Sarah, you know, beyond Jenny uh, in your life. So while rare diseases are rare, Mm -hmm. um, there, there are about 175 kids living in the world right now with this disease. Um, there, they are common though. Rare diseases are common. People do have them. Right. Um, and they, they do impact children more so than adults. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. And while you were carrying her, there was no sign of any trouble. So when she was born, still at that point, you, you were unaware. Yeah. I mean, I, I did have some sort of weird mm-hmm. um, pregnancy issues. I, I had gestational diabetes and then uh, I had preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was born four weeks early. Yeah. Cause uh, we had the same around the same due date. Cause Lucy was, uh, she was born August 21st and yep. she was a week late. And so I remember my yeah. mom saying, Hey, we're on the same path. And then it's yeah. like, okay, Jenny came early. So Lucy should be coming anytime. And yep. A week later, finally. Um, so yeah, yeah, I remember walking through that with you. Wow. Yeah, it was it was an interesting time. So uh, I, you know, first time mom. You were a first right. time mom as well. You have no idea. No. No. Uh, and so you can only go off of what what you've heard, you know, from friends and right. So I, just, I kind of felt like, well, maybe these are some weird, you know, right things exactly. that are happening to me, and this is no big deal. Yeah. You know, people yeah. have preeclampsia all the time. Exactly. Okay. So 2010, you get the diagnosis, and um, this is also when you start this foundation. Is that correct? Yeah. So. Okay. We, in May of 2010, we got Jenny's diagnosis. And then shortly thereafter, in June of uh, 2010, we went, we drove to Baltimore uh, to go to Johns Hopkins University. Right. So the worldwide specialist in this disease was at Johns Hopkins at the time. And, you know, our local physician really couldn't help us. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I don't know much about this, but here's someone who does. Wow. So that's awesome. We got in the car, we, you know, drove there. Thankfully we had some family on the East coast mm-hmm. that could um, help us and go with us to this appointment. That was huge actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so we, you know, we met this doctor, I think for that first appointment, he spent two hours with us. Mm-hmm. I recorded, I recorded the conversation. I took yeah. my camcorder in there. I had no idea if I would ever see this doctor again, if he right. would ever communicate with me again. Right. So we drove to Baltimore to visit this doctor and uh, he spent about two hours with us. I took my camcorder in with us because I had no idea if I would ever see this doctor again, if he would ever, you know, be able, would he be communicative with me after this appointment? I had no idea. And are you Um, still thinking like, are we sure this is it? Because I feel like sometimes, like I know Lola, much different, but she's hypothyroid. And I kept mm-hmm. thinking like, well, this doctor will tell me all the other doctors are wrong. Did you have mm-hmm. some sense of that? or You know, I really didn't because after two years of searching, yeah. when, you f- when I finally got that diagnosis from our doctor in Tulsa, 
it, we Googled it. Mm-hmm. She checked all, all the, the boxes. boxes. Yeah. Every single one. Wow. And it was the answer that we had been waiting for that obviously we never, never right. wanted to hear. Oh, right. Right. But so we, um, he was great. He spent two hours with us. At the end of that appointment, I said, look, this diagnosis has been, you know, earth shattering for us. Can you help connect me to another family who has been through this? I have to talk with another mom because, you know, the, the, sort of couple of week period of time between when we got the diagnosis and when we went to Baltimore, you know, that was a very dark time in my life. I never knew if I would find anyone else Mm -hmm. that, you know, could help me with this. It was just like this bomb went off in our life and, and we had, we had no help. So, um, and no information, no guidance, no one to talk to. So, Thankfully, thankfully, he connected me um, in a very HIPAA compliant way <laughs> with, with another family uh, that had agreed to, to be connected um, to families if, if this doctor ever found any other ones. So uh, that night from our hotel room in, in Baltimore, I messaged this other mom, I think it was on Facebook, um, and said, look, here I am. I'm yeah. in Baltimore right now. I live right. in Oklahoma. Um, I, I heard from this physician that you have a child with this disorder. Tell me about your family. Yeah. And so that night, I think I stayed up very late mm-hmm. um, and just talking to this other mom online. Uh, and then, you know, the following day as we were driving home, I spent a lot of our, our drive home talking to her on the phone. Yes. And, you know, thankfully there, at that time, there was a, a small email group of about 40 families Okay, uh, that was on an email list serve on a Yahoo group. So Facebook groups hadn't taken off yet, but right. Yahoo groups were, were kind of a thing at that point. So she connected me with that Yahoo group. Um, I started asking my questions in the email threads um, and got got immediate support, really, wow. even on, on that drive home. So that's huge. That is yeah, huge. Yeah, it was. And it was like, you know, in many ways, a weight had been lifted. Mm-hmm. I knew now I would have people that could come alongside me, support me. I wasn't going to be alone. There would be other parents, you know, in our situation that we could talk with. Right. So that was huge. Yeah. Um, formalizing that is really what what the next step was. So, you know, we came home, um, spent the next couple, you know, month or so getting readjusted to our new new normal, right. which right. which you know seemed to change every day, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that's, that's another story for another day, <laughs> probably. Right. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the summer, Jenny was going into a special needs preschool at that mm-hmm. point. And uh, on our way home from Baltimore, Brant and I just had the discussion like, okay, there's, there's no foundation for right. this disease. So immediately you're having this thought. There's no, I mean, on our, on our very long drive back to Oklahoma, we were thinking, okay, there's no foundation. There is an email group. We should do something. So Uh. later that summer, we, uh, you know, 
were telling our friends here our story. Um, that was that was interesting as oh, well. I bet to you know see mom friends that we've been pregnant with at the same mm-hmm. time. Just you know, mm-hmm. friendships change after oh, a like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we changed, right? Too, Absolutely, you know? yeah. So um, we had we did have some friends that offered to help us set up um, a, a nonprofit public charity. So they heard your people. heart right away, and you said, "Like it's so amazing." Because on our podcast, we talk a lot about taking action. But yeah. what I'm floored about listening to you is, as you're talking about Jenny getting this diagnosis, immediately you're thinking of other people because I don't want them to go through what I'm going through. We've exactly. got. I mean, that's incredible that you yeah. took action so quickly. So you go back and you talk to people in Tulsa. Yeah, we, we came back home and um, there, there was an attorney who was a friend and he said, look, I can help you get this set up if you really want to do it. Um, but just, just know this might, this might take over your life. Right. <laughs> and Foreshadowing, right? <laughs> it was so true. Um, he was spot on there, but, uh, you know, I said, no, we definitely want to do this. It's the right thing to do. And really, you know, it gave me something to do. Right. It gave me hope. It gave me a way to channel my energies into something that was yes. purposeful yes. in a very hopeless, sad, you know, ah, That so, is so incredible. I'm, I'm just thinking about the option that you had to go home, you and Brant curl up. And I'm sure there were nights that you did and just sob and not really do anything about it. But at this moment, you're like, no, we're going to help people. Plus probably you would find so much support within this community that you were getting ready to build. It's so true. It's so true. And I think, you know, when you're talking about um, taking action on your dreams, I think I never knew this was a dream of mine. No. I think dreams can change, you yes. know, as life happens. Um, this, this was an opportunity that presented itself to help our family, obviously, mm-hmm. and to help other families. And so, you know, I think, I think it's important to remember that dreams are, you know, what, what gets set in front of you sometimes. Right. Oh, absolutely. And you, you have to, you have to make a choice, mm-hmm. obviously. So, mm-hmm. Um, we, we chose the, the chaos of learning. <laughs> I love it though. I love it. To run a nonprofit foundation. Um, and were you working at the time or had you taken well, off after Jenny was born? Yeah. So my, my background is in education. So okay. I uh, went to the university of Tulsa and got a degree in elementary education. Mm-hmm. And I was a teacher in a title one school wow. for five years before Jenny was born. Okay. So that, that did not really give me any business. <laughs> no girl, you had to learn yourself. <laughs> I, yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, that, that was may, has maybe been one of my bigger challenges yeah. is, is translating my, my experience as an educator to something that is usable yes. as, um, 
as a nonprofit leader. Right. Wow. That is so incredible. But I do feel like when you have something that you're so passionate about, which is helping other families and helping your family, then the education part of it, the part that you have a hard time with, you push through because you see so much purpose. Did you feel like that? I did. And, you know, I think that has really been the impetus for making me want to be better. You know, I, um, I had, you know, I went through college. I, I felt like, Oh good. I'm done. Check that off the list. Yes. My life is going to be, you know, just normal from here on out. And, uh, and I guess, you know, it's a maturity thing, but I, I learned in becoming Jenny's mom that we all should be lifelong learners. Oh, and, absolutely. And I was sort of thrust into a world that I didn't have a lot of experience with. You know, I was talking with doctors. They were using words that I had never heard before. Right. And so sort of immersing myself in that life, mm-hmm. becoming becoming a student of paroxysmal disorders Mm -hmm. and rare diseases, I think really helped me. Um, It stretched my brain just in terms of being able to learn new things. Um, And then, you know, the further sort of stretching of my brain has, has come as I've tried to be a good leader um, and, and be, you know, a responsible nonprofit business owner. That's so incredible. So let's fast forward a a little bit. Um, Jenny's growing up and you and Brant decide to expand your family Yes. in the middle of this hardship, chaos, 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 yes, (laughs) chaos. And now what, at what point do you decide, Hey, we want to expand our family more. Yeah. Well, honestly, and I say this a lot, we were really lucky to get the diagnosis when we did, because had we not, we probably would have started trying to become pregnant again Mm -hmm. shortly thereafter. I'm grateful we didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm grateful we learned that this disease, you know, it's genetic. So brain and I both carry mutations for this disease. Um, and just because the, the nature of the disease is so serious, it's a terminal illness. There's no cure. It's, you know, um, a multi, uh, system, uh, disorder nearly every system in the body. Mm. Um, so we, we really felt at that time that the severity of the, the disease itself really meant that, that God was telling us, you know, let's look at other ways to build. Um, and so we, we really talked about everything. Mm. We, um, we talked about adoption. That was, that was kind of first on the list. And Brant had, um, as a child, his parents had been foster parents. And so he was like, we can do this. You know, we can, we can adopt, uh, children and, and love them just, just as much as, as our own biological children mm-hmm. on adoption. We talked about um, other methods, uh, fertility wise of um, expanding our family. And um, 
you know, we, we really did all of our homework. And so we started on the adoption journey. Um, actually, it was like later in 2010. So okay. the wow. founded wow. the organization and then we were like, okay, let's get some more chaos in our lives. That's let's, incredible. Wow. We're trying to adopt. So we, we did um, get hooked up with a, an organization um, here in Tulsa um, that, that helps uh, birth mothers and potential adoptive families. And we had two failed adoptions through mm -hmm. with that agency uh, mm -hmm. in early 2011. So yeah. for the first failed adoption, um, that birth mother had chosen us. We spent some time with her. She was still pregnant. And then um, she decided that we were not the right fit for, mm. for her child. How devastating so, for you guys. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a gut punch yeah. because, you know, as she was spending more time with us and with our family, you know, she's seeing all of Jenny's needs and mm. they were immense. Mm. You know, Jenny had a lot of needs. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously that wasn't, that wasn't God's plan for our family. Right. Um, and, you know, I, we wish that birth mother well, and, and she chose another family and, and that child is doing great right. now. Right. Um, and then our, our second failed adoption was actually with, with twins, mm -hmm. uh, twin baby girls. So, um, that was quite an experience. We, I'm Native American, so mm -hmm. having uh, Native American families is is really important in the adoption mm -hmm. process. Right, exactly. If you have a Native American birth mother or birth father, it's very important that the child be placed in in a home um, where one of the parents is Native American. So. Uh, we had those girls for one day and, and the birth mother changed her mind as well. So and you have prepared to take them and they come yeah. home with you and then she took, we were in the hospital, um, with oh. the baby. So How we spent, long had you been waiting to have them? Just a couple of weeks, I think. Oh um, it wasn't, it wasn't very long, but we did get the nursery set up for two. Oh my gosh, Melissa. It was, it was a, a crazy couple of weeks. Um, and just trying to like figure out, okay, we're going to bring twins home. Let's, yes. Let's do this. Um, and juggling our lives to accommodate that. And we were so happy and, um, it was, it was kind of another gut punch. So, mm -hmm. Uh, we spent one day with those twins in the hospital, you know, with the birth mother, loving uh, on them, thinking, loving on them, feeding, they're my children, naming them, uh, names picked out. Um, oh gosh, and oh. they were adorable, adorable little girls in great health. Um, so the we went home that night and said, okay, we'll we'll be back. Um, to the hospital in the morning, you know, happy to pick you up some breakfast or coffee. Let us yeah. know what you want. Uh, and the following morning, I got a call early from the adoption agency saying, don't go back. The birth mom has changed her mind. Unbelievable. Devastating, really. Yeah. Devastating. Wow. 
so that was a Sunday morning, um, and it was actually um, St. Patrick's Day. So I always think of those girls on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, But, you know, that Sunday morning, I get the call. I'm making breakfast. I crack open an egg, and it has two yolks. Oh, my word. And so I felt like, you know, it was a sign that maybe these girls weren't for us, but there were other kids. It was like still. a God wink to you. Yes. Like, God's yeah. like, I've got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't happened again. Um, <laughs> never had a two, two <laughs> yoke. Wow. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, you have to find the humor in it. A right. Little. <laughs> I know. It's like, really, really God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so anyway, we, we put a pause on adoption after mm-hmm. that because, you know, we kind of felt like our hearts had been trampled on mm-hmm. for multiple times. Right? Yeah, multiple times. And so it was just time to take a pause. So we kind of looked at other, um, other methods of family building at that point. And it just, they weren't, they weren't the right fit for us. So we just thought, okay, we're, we're just going to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're going to see how this plays out. And about eight months later, we got a call um, from Brant's sister who who knew of a birth mom that was looking for a family for her, her baby. She was pregnant at the time. So we went over, you know, I said, look, this is us. I handed her a GFPD brochure. I was like, this is Jenny. Yeah. You know, she has this very rare complicated disease, but we love her. We want to give her a sibling. Like we took Jenny with us mm-hmm. to this meeting and uh, we want to give her a sibling. We want her to have some normalcy, you know, um, but this is us. So mm-hmm. take us or leave us. But, right. you know, yeah, uh, we just laid everything out on the table, told That's her. Awesome. Her you were protecting your heart and, too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I left that meeting and I was like, we we just laid it all out there. We'll see what happens. And we got a call um, like the following day saying she wanted to um, to have us adopt her baby. So we went through that entire pregnancy with her. Um, and we were in the room when Avery was born. So mm, that is unbelievable. Wow. It was, it was um, a lot of ups and downs, yeah. many months of thinking, yeah. you know, what yeah. is what is going to happen here? Right. Um, but it was it was a really interesting experience and immersed us in um, a world that we did not have. Wow, you know, any that is so incredible. So we still have um, some contact with that birth mother, and uh, and she lives in Oklahoma City, but. Um, we, we see her occasionally and okay. send her pictures. And so that's awesome. Um, yeah. Wow. So really proud of how, how she's, what she's doing with her life. So that is um, so good. You guys were a blessing to her too, you know, to know yeah. that Avery's in good hands and with a family that loves her so much. Yes. Wow. And we do. Yes. So okay. that, that was Avery. And then, you know, we, I kind of felt like we were getting into a bit of a groove. I was doing this nonprofit thing sort of, you know, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week in a volunteer capacity um, and, you know, brought, brought our new baby home and Jenny was doing pretty well and Avery was doing well. And then uh, 
a couple of months after Avery was born, I got a text from my mother saying that there was an 18 month old little boy who she knew of from a, a friend that was potentially available for adoption. And Are you like, mom, wait, did you not know I just went through all of this? Yeah. Well, it was kind of funny. It was like the very day that I mailed off the last payment to our attorney. Wow. Wow. So that was, you know, I was yeah. taking this walk. I get this text from my mom. And so we kind of, um, there were a couple of other families that were maybe kind of involved in this process already. So we, we let that play out for a little while. Um, and then, you know, got a call from, from this connection of my mom's who said, I, I think this, this little boy is for you all. Mm. And I think you need to, I think you need to meet this kiddo. And at this point, how old is Avery? Avery was maybe, oh gosh, nine months old, I think. Nine months. And this baby is 18 months? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So they were, they're actually, well, my math may be off on yeah. that. <laughs> but Jack and Avery are 51 weeks apart. Wow. So Irish, Irish twins. Irish twins. I got wow. my twins. You did. Um, but so that, that was an interesting process um, for Jack's adoption. It was uh, through the Cherokee Nation and um, the Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma. So, so cool. um, kind of a different different experience than right right wow that is amazing now then let's fast forward a little bit to um you jenny starts declining and you start realizing hey this is what do you what are you yeah this is it what what is that process like Mm -hmm. i mean well so when we were in baltimore i'll backtrack to baltimore you know this doctor was wonderful and he said to us look don't over-therapize this child, mm-hmm. help her have a happy life, you know, have it be as happy and healthy as, as you can. Right. And so those were really the goals that we had for Jenny, happy and healthy mm-hmm. and, or as healthy as possible. And so, um, for a while she was, yeah, yeah. You would go out on those walks. I remember yeah, seeing, yes. We, we, she had a trike that she loved riding and, and we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. riding through the neighborhood, getting fresh air. You know, she was kind of a celebrity in the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Everybody would wave to her. Um, your parents were always so kind to, mm-hmm. to come and give her hugs. But, you know, we, we had just, just gotten Jack and, you know, that was May of 2014, Jack came to join our family. And so um, later that summer, Jenny started having infections that we just couldn't get under control. So they were mostly uh, respiratory and- Those are so scary. They are scary. I mean, when your kid can't breathe, Mm -hmm. um, I I think it's one of the more more scary parenting. yeah situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so respiratory and, and, um, urinary tract infections, mm-hmm. kidney infections. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we kind of worked through almost the next year, kind of fighting one after another, after another. Right. Uh, and in, um, Val- Valentine's day of 2015, I could tell she was coming down with another UTI. Mm-hmm. We had just 
just gotten off of antibiotics um, for for one. And so that night, you know, great Valentine's Day, we had yeah. spaghetti at home and and I looked at Brant and I was like, I, I think it's coming. So yeah. I'm gonna sleep in her room tonight and I'll keep you posted. Um, and so I was up a lot with her that night and knew probably in the morning that we needed to head to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, woke up that morning, uh, went, uh, to the restroom, um, and then came back and she was not breathing mm. and, um, I freaked out Oh yeah. and, um, and Brant called Brant in, um, and he immediately began CPR on her while I called nine one one, and uh, and they they came pretty quickly. I think during that time, I called my mom, who called your mom, and yeah. your mom and my mom came over at about the same time. Mm. And uh, Brant was able to get Jenny breathing again. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, uh, mm. but. You know, so we we kind of whisked off right. to the hospital, and I I left your mom and my mom here with my kids, mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't know when yeah. I'll see you again. Yeah. So um, we we went, uh, and you know, Brant, I really credit him with having a cool head oh, yeah. um, that morning, and and getting getting her back for us. Mm -hmm. um, so. That that February hospital stay was about two weeks long. She was on a ventilator uh, during that time uh, because when we got there, even though Grant was able to to revive her, it was obvious that she was really really sick and mm -hmm. had this had hit her really quickly, mm -hmm. and uh, so she became septic uh, oh. really quickly. And the team uh, in the PICU you know, said, we, we really think we need a vent her. This will give her body some time to heal. And, you know, had, had Brant not revived her that morning and had she not had a, a couple of hours of coherentness, mm -hmm. I don't know what our, our choice would have been at that time, but, but we, we said, yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, we, we did it. She was in the hospital for about two weeks and uh, that was a that was a difficult time to see you know your kid on, oh, on later breathing it. tubes and mm -mm. stuff everywhere and she she had been a frequent flyer at the hospital yeah. it wasn't like this was our first hospital stay but this was our first one where yeah yeah you know you just you don't know yes. Yeah. You, I didn't have the confidence at that time that everything was going to be okay. It wasn't a routine, you know, get your adenoids out or yes, whatever. Yes, yes, um, Something that, yeah, yeah. Critical. Um, I mean, truly. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we, we came home uh, from that hospital stay um, and, and with a renewed sense of urgency and um, a renewed sense of, you know, this this could be it at any time, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. With as quickly as she declined, you know, yes. yeah, over Valentine's Day, mm. we I think it was kind of the um, uh, 
a wake up call. Yeah. Realization. Hey, this realization of this disease is terminal. You know, we're, we're kind of at the point of what, what, the end of what we can do to help right. with her symptoms. So yeah. let's live our lives. Let's enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it gave our extended family an opportunity to spend more time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, once she came home, she was on just a ton of medication, uh, just constantly. Um, and we, we still were not able to get the infections under control. Mm -hmm. And so we could tell in April of 2015 that, that it was, you know, a kind of a snowball effect. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically she was going, going down the same road. It looked like we were not going to be able to get, get ahead of it. Right. Uh, And so, uh, Jenny hated the hospital. She (laughs) hated, everyone in a white jacket. Um, I bet she was tired of it. Yeah. And you know, I don't blame her. And so we, um, we made the choice to treat her at home, Mm -hmm. uh, and to go on hospice care with her. And, um, instead of continuing to take her back to the hospital, getting on the vent every time this happened for two weeks. Um, we chose to be at home mm-hmm. and um, she loved home. She loved, um, you know, the routine of having my parents come over and, mm-hmm. and, um, and being around Jack and Avery at that point. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it was a really hard choice to make. Mm-hmm. There are very few parents that, I know of that have children with um, rare chronic terminal mm-hmm. disease that choose to to go this route. Yeah. So um, we knew it was the right choice for for her, for our family, mm-hmm. and um, and I, you know, it was in so many ways a beautiful time mm-hmm. because we got to spend it with her and we did it on, on her terms. Right. And, um, and so I don't regret that at all. Yeah. Not, not one minute of that time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so she, she did, uh, pass away here at home on April 25th, Mm. 2015. Had to have been life changing at that moment. You know, when your family, was your family around her as she, to yeah. her last breath. Brant and I were, were with her and we'd had um, plenty of time. I mean, our entire family had been coming in and out for a couple of days. Um, everybody got to give her a hug and, mm-hmm. and say, see you later, Jenny. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was really important to me oh, yeah. to be able to have, you know, her cousins and, and my, um, my siblings and Brant's siblings be able to come in and, you know, really give, give her a good send off. And that's what we did. And, you know, I, chaos kind of would describe our lives really well, I think, because we, when we were in the hospital in February of 2015, Jack's adoption was still not finalized. Mm. So he'd been in our home for nine months at that point. We loved him 
you know, as, as our, as our son. And, um, I remember being in the bathroom at the hospital in a moment when Jenny, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know if she's going to come off the ventilator. This may be it for her. And I remember saying to God, like, look, God, I just want us to all be a family, all five of us for a little while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, could we, can you, can you help us get out of this so we can go home and finalize this adoption for Jack? Mm -hmm. Um, And Jack's adoption was finalized on April 23rd. Oh my word. Wow. An answered prayer. Yeah. Jenny was on hospice at that time. We had a huge party here at home, Mm -hmm. um, with nurses, all of her nurses around. Um, and you know, and we got to have that time as a family where Jack's adoption was finalized. We were celebrating that, you know, we knew these were some of Jenny's final days. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the next day our, our priest came over and, um, did the anointing of the sick with her. And that was a very, um, a special time for our family. And we all, we all got to be there and, and send her, send her on her way. And, um, it was the right choice for our family. It yeah. was the it sounds so beautiful. You know, it was in a way it really was. Right. Right. I just think to, um, being with somebody when they take their last breath and are getting ready to enter the gates of heaven, mm-hmm. that's such an honor to get to do. And as her mom and Brant being her dad, like what an honor to have given her the best life you could and then say, Hey, well done. Good and faithful servant. You yeah. are in your father's hands now. Like that's yeah. just beautiful to me. And mm-hmm. then, you know, what's so incredible to me, like listening to your story. And it's funny because I was telling you like all of our podcasts, oh, we'll just be about 30 minutes. Girl, there's no 30 minutes with you because this is deep. And there's, there's so many um, visions of, and whispers of God throughout such a hard and as you described it, chaotic life. I mean, your first 10 years of parenting is like, wow. I mean, a lot of people couldn't wrap that up in their whole lifetime. And so, but the way that, you know, you grew probably closer to your husband, to your family, where you really saw God in such incredible ways, um, I think is, like I said, an honor to get to be a part of. And as hard as it is, you value life so much because you have seen your child lose their life, you know? And so, and what I think is so incredible about you, Melissa, is that you continue to charge on with this GFPD foundation. And now you're a voice for so many other people. And as I was reading on your website, you have 300, you're serving 300 families in 30 countries. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually up to 400 families in 39 countries around the world. So we really are a global foundation. Yeah. Um, And I think when you have something this rare, you have to be global. We oh. have to be inclusive. Yes. Um, and, and we, you know, I just never want any family to feel how I felt mm-hmm. for those couple of weeks between receiving the diagnosis and then meeting, you know, virtually another parent. Right. Um, yeah. If, if there's anything I can do to make that better for someone else, that's, right. that's what that's I need amazing. to be doing with my life. And I think as our listeners are listening to your story, it's a heavy story and it's like, it's your story. But what's encouraging too is you found your purpose 
through Jenny and through what you're doing now and to help serve other families. But you found that really in your darkest times. And so those Mm -hmm. people that have dreams that are wanting to take action on things, but they're sitting in the darkness, that there is hope to that's really when you push through and find your purpose in those dark moments. Absolutely. And I think that that pushing through, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think, when you think you can't go one more step, when you think, you know, this is it. Yeah. Pushing through will, will give you the strength. If you just take one teeny tiny little step, Yes. We'll give you strength to take one more step. Mm. And, and friend, then- you are moving mountains now. You are moving mountains. Give me a snapshot right now, and then we'll close up of your family right now. How are things going with the kids and the foundation and your marriage? And how's, how's that all now? <laughs> Wow. Well, the chaos, the chaos has continued, (laughs) Um, but I'm learning that that is just parenting Mm -hmm. and it's being in this season of life. And uh, so Avery is five years old. Uh, Jack is six years old. So this is Jack's kindergarten year. Wow. I know. And Avery's pre-K year and um, they're doing great. They both have such unique personalities, um, but they are a great fit for our family. Mm. I, I look at Jack sometimes and I'm like, dude, you are totally Brent's child. <laughs> like how, how, did this, how did this happen? But so you know, cool. he and Brent are kind of two peas in a pod and, um, doing some fun things together. Jack has just taken up violin. He's not a party kid. Um, team sports may not be his thing. We're, we're, we're still investigating. (laughs) He he decided he wanted to learn the violin. And so, you know, I, I had no experience with this, but I'm like, all right, well, we'll, let's do it. Let's do it. Up. And he's so motivated and, and he just loves it. Um, and so we're, we're still investigating the team sports thing, but <laughs> I love that. T-ball was not successful. <laughs> this so we, I don't think we'll be doing T-ball again. Um, Avery and Jack were on the same T-ball team and Avery is definitely. Oh my gosh. So she, she is a, a ballet dancing. Kind we of like girl. to hear that. Um, yes. Ballet. We love to be toes. And, um, so she, she is a ballet dancing girl mm-hmm. and, um, artsy yeah. and, um, you know, comes home every day from school with, with a different piece of art and loves yeah. telling me all about it. So, um, they, one of the hardest decisions for me as a mom was choosing to put them in full-time preschool. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds silly, but no, know, it doesn't. I had, I had only ever wanted to be a mom. And then, you know, my dreams kind of changed. Right. And I, I knew if I wanted to devote the kind of time to being a good nonprofit leader, mm-hmm. I had to have more time by myself Absolutely. Yeah. during the days. Yeah. And so I had a friend that really encouraged me, um, three years ago, mm-hmm. this shortly after Jenny passed away to, to consider doing more than just a mother's day out. Right. So, yeah. Uh, it's a game changer because what I found, cause I struggled with it too. Like I'm, yeah. I'm first a stay at home mom, but I'm also running a company. But right. what I realized is when they were home, 
I was feeling like I needed to do something else. And then when they were gone, I felt like, shoot, I should be with them. And so I feel like school is a great time to you go learn, explore, you know, do things and I'm going to do it. And then when you come home, I am all in, you know? Mm Yeah. And that's, that, that is hard. It was a hard, it was a hard step for me to take. Um, It took a while for me to get there. The first year after Jenny passed away, they just did Mother's Day out. I felt like I needed them with me. I needed to be as close to them as possible because they really, I mean, they helped me get through those really hard first days. You have somebody saying, mommy, I need, you have to get up. You have Mm -hmm. to go. So they, in that way, they really saved me. Um, But, you know, choosing for them to go to a school that was eight to three, you know, at age three and age four, that was, that was a big deal for me. So um, that allowed me to devote more of my daytime. Right. midnight to 2 a.m. time yes. working um, on this organization. And I still do a lot of midnights to 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm sure you do too sometimes. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, it, it, that helped me kind of get some focus and get some structure into our mm-hmm. lives. I think structure was so important. We yeah. all really need, you know, boundaries, normalcy. We need, you know, the the sort of getting up every day, right? getting the lunches packed, you know, everybody brushing the hair. Mm -hmm. I think if we didn't have that structure, it it would be easy for us to sort of, you know, just sink into, into grief. Right. Right. Um, and so structure and normalcy has been a big part of helping us move through our grief. And we're still it. in grief. Oh, you know? absolutely. Um, absolutely. But, but I also ooh. think what you're doing, and this is what I always, my hope for our kids is, is that they're seeing what you're doing in honor of Jenny and to help all these people. So yep. they're really helping you sure. in your journey because they are allowing you that time. And so I feel mm-hmm. like anybody that has a dream, you have, you can't, you can't juggle all of the time. You have no. got to devote time to your family, which is oftentimes the highest priority. I mean, Absolutely. I know for you and I it is, but then also you have got to have uninterrupted time with your dream, Absolutely. you know? So, Absolutely. and what an example you are to your kid. I mean, think about what Jack and Avery are learning from what you and Brent are doing through this foundation. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, blown away by you. Absolutely blown away. And I so wish we had more time, but I do think I'd love I'd love to have you on again as to. continue to um, you know explore more. Now, can you tell our listeners how to w- what your website is and how they can help or donate? Um, absolutely, impact. Yeah. So our our website is. Um, it's the our, the name of our foundation is the Global Foundation for Paroxysmal Disorders, and our website is uh, the GFPD. So that's the word the T H E GFPD dot org, and uh, from there uh, you can view some family stories. You can see the research work that we're doing. uh, And you can also donate uh, to help impact the lives of these families that are struggling with the most difficult thing Mm. uh, 
in terms of dealing with with a child that that has a debilitating terminal illness mm. and provide help for those families. We're we're doing a lot to fund research right now, and so, uh, so those those donations go to family support and to research. Mm, I love that. Well, I could sit on here for hours, but I know you have a busy day. So thank you so much for your time, yeah. and I'm just honored to be your friend. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share our story. Yay. Thanks, girl. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, you are destined for greatness.